guys. Welcome to the PUBG Esports Podcast. Thank you for joining us. This is our inaugural episode. My name is Corey Lefebvre. You can follow me on Twitter at CanadianPUBG. Um, but first of all, I just want to give you a little bit of insight on what the podcast is all about. We're, we're hoping to do a deep dive into all the different PUBG leagues that are out there. There's going to be emphasis on the NPL on the PEL and those contenders leagues, but we will still hopefully with time um, be looking at the Latin American leagues, the PKL, the PCL, Oceanic and uh, SEA as well. Um, You got to put SEA in there just because of the performance they've been having at international events and uh, the nation's cup. But um, this podcast is going to be for, for whether it's new people who are looking at the pro game just to get better themselves or, or just want to get more into PUBG viewership. It's it's a fairly new eSport, but it's one that um, I always like to relate it to Counter-Strike. It's one not like Counter-Strike where you're playing the same map over and over and over again. I Actually, with PUBG, you are playing the same map over and over and over again. But the circling, circle settings make it so variable that each game is a different game. There's always a different ending. Uh, there's been thousands of competitive PUBG games played, and each one is different. Um, but it's also for experienced viewers um, like myself that want a more in-depth look at teams. Um, that just that kind of coverage just isn't out there right now. Uh, maybe yet you have a fantasy NPL league like myself, and you're just looking to get a little bit more insight before your draft, whatever it might be. Um, if it is, I mean, you're you're a little late. The NPL starts tomorrow, so maybe it's more of like a I know PCL started, PKL started, a Latin American uh, fantasy league. But uh, on that on that note, if you're interested in uh, NPL fantasy, I can provide updates on how mine's going. But uh, really today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a team-by-team look, and we're going to be providing an outline on each team's strengths, weaknesses, uh, drop locations, rotation patterns, weapon, weapon loadouts. Um, roster changes from phase to phase. I'm hoping to spend about five minutes each on every team. It might be a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on how much there is to talk about. Um, and then I'm going to end with uh, letting you guys know how I think NPL is going to play out with a couple predictions. But um, without further ado, let's let's get started. Uh, I'm going to start with some NPLC teams, the contenders teams. Um, so these might be teams that you might be a little bit more unfamiliar with. Um, you can consider them tier two or i guess before they were division two teams but then um they uh worked their way they grinded their way up to make the npl the the top league um and they did really well through relegations to do that um the npl teams i'm sure even the casual viewers heard of them um but yeah i want to start with the npl teams NPLC teams just to uh just to get started with those guys um so the first one we have on here is and I'm gonna butcher this name. The Susquehanna Sonics. Uh, I'm just gonna call them the Sonics from this point on. So in the Contenders League, um, there is only 16 games in the Contenders League. I want to mention that right off the top. Next phase, it's gonna be 24. So that's definitely gonna be helpful. I've never been a big fan of the 16 games. It's just too small of a sample size. You're only doing four games a week. If you have one bad week, it can really screw you over for the rest of the you, you you might not be able to make relegations only the top six of the 16 teams end up making the promotional uh tournament to try and make npl but uh the sonics here they actually finished first in the contenders division last phase 
Um, they're probably the most hyped team coming out of contenders. Just to put it in perspective here, they finished contenders last phase with 200 points. The next closest tea to the, team to them, low-key esports, was at 125 points. So they almost doubled the next closest to them. Um, they were definitely a lot better on Erangel than they were on Miramar. Um, but in general, they absolutely destroyed contenders. Um, the four guys that they got on their team right now, IGLing, they got Wooly. Um, lots of people might know him from, um, I believe it was Duel and then Simplicity after that. But um, he's uh, he's partnered with uh, three just absolute fraggers. We got Tiglatin from Australia. Keenan from Canada, and then Tony V, he's from the States, uh, along with Wooly. But uh, those three, last three guys that I mentioned, absolutely frag out. And that's not a discredit to Wooly. I think it's a credit to his IGL skills. If you look at just last phase, and I want to give you guys averages here first. So on average, a one kill death ratio is about average. Technically, it's a little bit lower. It'll be something like 0.97, just because of how many kills get denied in the blue. Um, so it'll change a little bit from league to league, but just for just to make it easy, let's just say one kill death ratio is average, and then damage damage averages are right around anywhere from 190 to 200 average damage per game. Um, now that again, that'll change from league to league. Some leagues just average more damage than others. But um, Sonics in contenders here, so Wooly. The IGL, so the in-game leader, the ones that's making the decisions, telling people where to go, what to do, um, he's finishing with a 0.88 um, kill-death ratio. So a little bit under average, and his damage, same thing, a little bit under average, 182. But I'm fine with that, and most people are going to be fine with that after I tell you the next three guys here. Tiglatin, kill-death ratio, 2.81. Keenan, 1.81. Tony V, 2.38. So those are way, way above. If, if you have anyone that's over, I mean, the top in the NPL last phase was Sharky, I believe. And he finished with one points. Oh, no, it's Los. Los HD. I knew that. I knew that. Um, Los finished with 1.78 kill death. Um, so even that is outstanding. And Sonics has, and it, I mean, it is Contenders League, but Sonics has three guys that are all over that. Uh, now, when we look at damage, Tony V, 335 damage. Keenan, 405 damage. And Tiglatin absolutely destroying with 500 damage. All three of those guys were the top of the contenders. All three from one team, both in damage and in kills, um, which is absolutely, ooh, actually, that's a lie. Fignaldo from low key ended up being third in kills. He beat uh, Keenan just by 0 0.07. So just by. Just by one kill. Hmm. Good job by Fignaldo. Um, but the Sonics, they uh, they like to loot Pachinki, at least in the NPLC, um, in Contenders Leagues. That's probably going to change coming up in the uh, Phase 3. Pachinki is where Cloud9 drops. Um, they also like to drop on Miramar, Hacienda, and the compounds that are like east of San Martin. Um, not as far north as uh uh, water, uh, not Watertown, uh, water treatment. Uh, so when they're dropping Pachinki on Erangel, if they do decide to do that in 
NPL, they're going to have issues uh, just because that's where Cloud9, former Cloud9 Genesis drops. They might be able to split it 50-50. I don't know how scrims have been going. Um, but my guess is they probably have just picked a new drop location. I'll be curious to see where that is and how much it's going to affect their play style. And then on Miramar, same thing. That's where Lazarus drops um, is in Hacienda and those compounds east of San Martin. So um, Miramar, I'm not so worried about. There's lots of open areas. And just because it's so gigantic, they're going to have um, different drop locations. You see on Miramar all the time, people mix up their drops. I, I look at Navi and the PEL where they go La Cabrera or they'll go south of Las Leonas and that's just dependent on the plane path or depending on where teams are dropping so Sonics can play that pretty variably I'm not too worried about that um, but they definitely they're I mean I'm glad I started with them because they're definitely the strongest um, or at least the most hyped team from contenders I've seen a couple predictions that have them top five I see most that have them top 10. I don't think people are going to think that they're going to drop down back to contenders. Just if you don't know, top 10 gets to stay in the NPL. And then the bottom six, they go to a relegation tournament with next phase's top 10 contenders teams. So it doesn't mean that you're out just because you're in the bottom six. If you do really well in the relegation tournament, you can still come back. But um, obviously, you want to make it as best, uh, do as best you can, make the top 10. If you make the top six, I believe, you get points towards uh, PGC. That's uh, PUBG Global Championship. That one's happening in November. Um, I believe if Sonics actually want to have any realistic chance of making that, they'll probably have to get first just because how the PUBG Global Championship works. Uh, the uh, they take into consideration phase one and phase two. So because the Sonics weren't in phase one or phase two, they're a little bit behind. There's nothing they could really do about that. Well, I mean, I guess they could have qualified earlier, but this is a completely different roster than the former Sonics teams. So um, even if they get first, they will get a hundred points towards PGC. Just to put that in perspective, Tempo Storm, um, X Cloud Nine, Genesis and ghost gaming already have a hundred or above just from the last two phases so those three teams are already at where sonics would be if they got first um space station has 75 um pubg uh i believe they're called championship points um rumblers have 60 mv has 60 lazarus has 55 um, and those are the big ones of note uh, so most people expect some of those seven teams uh, to qualify for PGC. That's not to say that Sonics can't do it. If they get first, um, they would. They that wouldn't be all. They'd also need teams like Lazarus, like Envy, and Rumblers to have a bad phase in order for them to make it. Um, even if the Rumblers or Envy have an okay phase, they finish say fifth, sixth. They'll they'll still finish above Sonics, which is kind of unfortunate. But I, I still am glad they take into past performance for PGC. Um, that way we don't just have random teams like in PEL and that has a, a really good phase. Um, and the next phase, they just completely fall off and who knows, they might even get relegated this phase, but that's for another conversation. But the Sonics, um, yeah, like I said, their outlook is really, really good. Um, I'll be curious how Sandhawk uh, plays in. I believe they're going to be doing just like the PEL to, uh, two Miramar, two uh, Erangel, and then one Sandhawk game a day. 
um, even just from watching the PEL and especially the PKL, um, everyone's got some odd Sandhawk. Uh, they play it completely differently than, than Miramar and Erangel. Um, I've seen some teams on the PKL that they, and this is, it, it hasn't been working out, so I don't advise it, but they'll drop and they'll stay in the air with their parachute until the first circle pops. Uh, and, and it has happened with the team that's doing this in the PKL where a couple of guys have been shot in the air. Um, but um, that's a decent way to get center circle, I guess. Uh, you probably just won't end up with much loot. It hasn't been working. Just, you know, I don't advise people to, to start using that strategy. Another strategy I've seen is where teams will drop um, four players, but in four different locations. Typically, um, teams are going to drop in one location. Like I said, Sonics like to drop Pachinki and Erangel, so all four players will drop there. They'll loot up. They'll try and get center circle. They'll rotate. Um, but on Sandhawk, just because how quickly the circles come, how small of a map it is, um, I've seen a team that puts four different players in four different spots, and they just stay in different compounds. They try to get into the circle as much as they can, but they literally spread four people across the map. And you might have two that on their way working in, uh, working into the circle, they get eliminated, but you still have those two other ones. So it's, it kind of encourages a snaking play in that sense, which I don't like. And I don't think the strategy has been working for the PKL team that's been doing it. Um, more than anything, I think drop location in Sandhawk is going to play a, a really, really big difference. Um, you've, you can see from the PEL, phase dropping Pine on has been absolutely has been great. I think that's the best location on Sandhawk, Bootcamp being the second best. But uh, you can just, you can rotate to any of those three islands, pretty, uh, the three different islands of Sandhawk really, really easily. If you're dropping places like Cow, San May, Kampong, if it circle hardships away from you, um, it's not no one's i won't say i don't want to say no one's using boats people are using boats no one's using boats on the rivers in the middle um it just makes it a really really difficult rotate i know it's not a big map but um it, it's forcing teams to come in contact a lot sooner so you see a lot of teams too that are going for kills um the placement doesn't matter if you can finish sandhawk hey with even an average of four kills i imagine most teams are going to be happy with that but uh that might be the difference this for this phase is that the the teams that can play Sandhawk, well, might be the ones that um, end up being the best. Um, as far as roster changes, Sonics doesn't have any roster changes. I'm glad that they don't. They absolutely destroyed contenders. And then in the relegation tournament, I should mention this as well. Um, just because um, we, we saw it with PEL, I mean, you can do great in the contenders group stage. But if you don't end up doing well in the relegation tournament, you might not even make uh, you might not even make the, the top tier league. So in the relegation tournament, Sonics was playing with 10. So nine of the other teams from contenders, so the same competition they've been playing with, plus six of the worst teams from NPL. Um, those teams were, at least in phase two, Accelerate, Simplicity, Wildcard, BM Gaming, Smoking Aces, and Pecadoras. But... Um, they really didn't fall off. They ended up in first, I should say tied for first, so they didn't blow out the competition. They had 114 points in 12 rounds. That was the same as Simplicity. Um, I should say former Simplicity, but we will see most of their guys in the NPL for next phase, um, which is exciting. I think Simplicity is a great team, used to be a great team. Um, but yeah, they didn't fall off that much, at least playing with six of the NPL teams. So it'd be curious to see how well they do. Um, I think they're the strongest team coming out of contenders. But um, yeah, as far as that goes, that that's the Sonics.
All right, so the next team, wild card here. Uh, this is going to be an odd team to kind of do a little bit of an analysis on because they're a completely different team. We had wild card from phase two that consisted of um, Pride, Caden, Sharpshot, and Tumai. Um, I thought in phase two that um, the addition to Caden would have made a really big difference. Unfortunately, Wildcard did not perform as well as a lot of people thought they would. Um, I believe in the MPL they finished finished in 13th. Yeah, but after week one, they're sitting in sixth, so it kind of just went downhill from there. Um, and then in the relegation tournament, again, they did not perform as well as they thought they would. I mean, even with the Sonics there, I thought Wildcard would have been the, the top of the class. Um, but in the relegation tournament, Wildcard ended up getting relegated and in 10th place going down to contenders. So you might be asking yourself, why are we talking about Wildcard if they got relegated? Well, Wildcard bought the spot of Simplicity. I was mentioning earlier that Simplicity finished tied with Sonics in the relegation tournament so that they still continued in the MPL. But unfortunately, Simplicity decided not to continue with a PUBG team. Um, Wildcard scooped that up right quick. Um, but they decided to do it with a completely different roster. So the new Wildcard roster here consists of Adam, Pistola Time, Kickstart, which I believe he's on loan. Um, he's a Ghost Cadets player. And Pentalol, who was on Simplicity beforehand. So uh, that's a team that's made up of four uh, four guys that haven't played um, at least on a team together. Um, Pentalo, like I said, from Simplicity. Adam is a former former Lazarus or Shoot to Kill player. Uh, Pistola Times from the E United, and uh, like I said, Kickstart's been playing on the Ghost Academy team. Uh, Pistola Time and Adam are both Canadians. Kickstart and Pentalol. Um, Americans, but uh, as far as statistics go here, I won't have any on Kickstart just because. He's been playing for the Ghost Cadets, but I will say with the Ghost Cadets, um, the uh, another league that people have been playing in, at least for North America, and it's a great league because it encourages um, a lot more amateur PUBG teams to get into the scene. Um, that's the Player One Esports League, the PAL. Um, Ghost Cadets have been performing that, and they've been absolutely destroying. Um, by far the best teams that have been playing in there. If you were to, have to make a group of, say, the top three, four, five teams, it'd be them, uh, 303 Esports, Noble's been doing really well, um, maybe maybe Smoke and Aces and God Squad, probably those teams. But um, out of all of them, for sure, Ghost Cadets have absolutely been destroying. Think of Sonics in the Contenders. That's what Ghost Cadets have been doing to all the other PAL teams. So it's exciting to see um, Kickstart in here. We also have uh, Vegas, who is on that team. I'll be mentioning that later. He's playing for Ghost. So I'd be curious to see uh, how well Wildcard does um, and how much of an impact Kickstart really had on the Ghost Cadets' success. Um, Pistola time. Let's look at the stats here from his last phase. He, he's, he hasn't been bad. I don't, I don't think so. He, he's sitting at kill-death ratio 0.95. So... Average, a little bit under average, and then damage, 197. Um, so about average damage as well. Um, and then he he's playing as, at least in Phase 2, he's playing as a fragger. I know in Phase 1 for United, he was the IGL. Um, they did not have the best Phase 1, so maybe it's a good thing that he switched to fragging. But uh, in Phase 1, 
pretty much the exact same. He finished uh, kill death with 0.95, and his damage was 183. So switching from IGL to fragging hasn't really affected his performance. I know on this roster, Adam's going to be IGLing, at least with a team in contenders or an NPL. He has an IGL before. His stats from last phase, uh, not too bad either, uh, actually. A little bit under average. Um, kill death ratio of 0.83 and average damage of 149. So definitely a little bit under average. Um, I was excited to hear a couple months ago when he was thinking about moving on to IGLing. I think um, playing with Lazarus uh, or Shoot to Kill, um, they did really, really well in the Face It Summit. That, uh, uh, that's got to be great experience for an IGL to have playing with teams like that. So hopefully you can bring that to Wildcard. Uh, and la lastly, we got Pentalo. Um, Pentalo, actually, I, I should say with Adam, I, I believe he had a better phase one with Shoot to Kill. Yeah, yeah. Um, he finished with Kill Death at one and damage at uh, two, 210. So a little bit over average for damage and average for kill death in phase one. Um, but his he actually had really good survival time. He's in the top 10 for survival time, 22 and a half minutes. Uh, that's a stat that I'll, that'll mention a lot less um, just because to me, it's a stat that's based more on team skill. Um, you get your most of your survival time from your team being up, keeping four guys alive. That's not to say um, snaking doesn't play a factor it definitely does there's some players that can once they're the only one left they, they can snake really really well um, but if you look even just from phase two the people that do have the highest uh, survival time typically they're just from the highest placing teams ghost temple storm space station gaming rumblers um, and then we do have a couple anomalies at least from last phase um relo really good for survival time in the top 10 um and then Carbon from Accelerate Gaming. But that's that that one's an anomaly too, just because of sample size. He only played uh, 16 games for Accelerate Gaming last phase. Um, Pentalo. Anyways. Pentalo. He's been uh, he was on Simplicity last phase. Um, his statistics uh, better than I thought. Maybe I should have drafted him sooner. Well, I mean I didn't draft him all, but maybe I should have considered him sooner. Um 0.95 kill death ratio and 215 uh, damage. So really good on the damage. Um, the the kill death ratio is about average um, on a simplicity team that finished in. Oh, I just had it here. It's eleventh. 12th. 12th. Yeah. Yeah. Started off not the best. Actually started the phase in last place and then kind of got better as they went. Um, yeah. Finishing in 12th place. I'm not sure who was IGLing on Simplicity, um, but this is, a, this is a roster that I think a lot of people are curious about. Um, completely new people. Um, we've seen what Adam Pistola and Pentalol have done in the last phases. Um, and it, I could go over phase one for simplicity too. Pentalol, really good in phase one as well. Um, even even better actually. Um, 1.18 kill death ratio and almost 230 damage. Um, so and this is a roster that even though they're four new players, I think a lot of people think that they can um, that they can perform and hopefully be one of those teams that um, finish in the top ten. As far as 
like drop locations, that's gonna be difficult for wildcard just because we're the only information we're going off of is phase two and phase one, which was former wildcard, completely different team. Um, at least in, in phase two, um, they dropped Primorsk and a little bit of Fairy Pier 2, mostly Primorsk. Um, and then Miramar, they dropped La Cobriera. But I, I expect that to be completely different, completely different roster. Um, let's see what they're going to do. Um, I'm not sure if any of them have a bolt player on that team. Um, I don't know Adam or Pistol. I definitely know both of them aren't. Um, I guess I haven't been paying attention to Pentalol enough, but if he's got those damage numbers, I don't expect him. Actually, uh, I mean, Drassel last phase, but I don't expect him to be a Bolt player. And then Kickstart, we haven't seen him in Contenders or NPL just because he's been... Uh, yeah, I guess I should mention the Ghost Cadets are under-18 players. That's the only reason we're not seeing them. Um, I fully believe that the Ghost Cadets roster could definitely be in Contenders. They could probably even be in the NPL. Um, it's unfortunate that we even have a rule like that, to be honest with you. But um, now that Kickstart's over 18, he's being loaned to this team, so hopefully he can start making a name to himself. Um, but really, that's that's about it that I got for Wildcard here. Yeah, the next team that we're going to be looking at is Riot Squad. So Riot Squad, this is going to be the first time that you're hearing about them. They're the former uh, Shook roster from the uh, Contenders League. Uh, I should say Riot Squad Esports. But uh, Shook from last phase consisted of, I think they had five players actually. Oh, no, I'm thinking Vicious, four. Uh, they had Mystery, Leda, VZ, and protege so mystery leda and protege being from the states and vz actually being from iceland i've seen his name all over the place um they finished last phase with a respectable fourth place they're in fourth place for most of the time um, finishing with 103 points uh did about as well on erangel as they did on miramar uh a frag-heavy team. They they finished with an average of just a little bit over four kills a round, and uh, they're one of those teams that uh, I guess the jury's kind kind of out on them. They they finished, like I said, fourth in uh, contenders when they had the relegation tournament. They performed pretty well too. They finished in third. Uh, 20 points below Simplicity and Sonics. Um, they were a team that um, I was hoping to see make the top six. They definitely have the skill. Um, I'm excited mostly out of anybody to see Protégé. We've seen him before um, in Phase 1. I believe it was with Vicious Gaming. Um, I could be wrong with that. I'm going to do a quick check here. Um, but he's got, he's a guy that we've seen around. Um, I think he can frag quite well. The stats here, VZ's the leading flag fragger on the team. 1.75 kill death ratio. Your end. Here's another thing with contenders is you're going to see more highs and more lows. Um, some people that are really up there for the kills, and then you'll see some people that are really, really low. And that's a lot of that's attributed to the sample size. Like I said, you have a couple bad weeks and you're, um, your stats are going to go way down, and you're not going to have that many more games to, to make them better. Um, yeah, Vicious Gaming is what Protégé was on before. He was with VZ, and they had uh, Shuru and uh, Dash32 on with them. But, uh, yeah, VZ sitting at uh, 230, and I think he's a bolt player, to be honest with you. Uh, Protégé with uh, .94 kill death, 196 damage. Leda 
1.13 kill death, 180 damage, and then mystery, 0.88 kill death, 155 damages, uh, damage. Uh, so from phase to phase, um, they haven't made any changes. It's still the exact same phase. Um, I know a lot of teams that are coming from contenders have, but they're, they're taking the perspective that, hey, we're going to stick with the roster that got us here, and I can appreciate that. As far as where Riot Squad, um, they're... they're kind of their outlook um I, I don't think many people are too high on them uh just being a contenders team that finished fourth going into the npl um i'll be curious to see how well they do i don't have too much information on uh ride squad to be honest with you um like i said the, the jury's jury's kind of out on them it'd be interesting to see what they what they do um but uh yeah i think most people are in agreement that uh they're they're a team that at least it's looking, uh, will be one of those 10 to 16th place teams. Um, I don't think many people expect them to be one of the contenders teams that are going to be in the top 10. Um, but um, with this uh, group of contenders, I don't think there's going to be many um, that are going to finish in the top 10. Um, and I think that's just a testament to the difference between the NPL and the NPLC. I think there's a pretty big skill gap there. Um, I think most people think the Sonics are, are going to be really well, but that's just because of the discrepancy between them and the rest of the contenders teams. They absolutely destroyed the rest of the contenders teams as opposed to the Shook. I mean, they, they were right in the mix. Uh, they weren't bad, but don't get me wrong. If I were to put it in perspective with you guys, um, 10th place in contenders uh, was the Comets, and they finished with 81 points. Shook finished with 103, uh, and they were in fourth place. So from fourth to 10th place, was a 22-point difference. Not that much, considering they only played 16 games. But then when you go from fourth to first place, Shook with 103 points again, Sonics with 200 points. So twice as much. And you're going to have that just with the small sample size. High, low, high, more highs and more lows. I'm excited to see with Contenders, which is hopefully the next podcast that we're going to do a little bit more on those teams, um, the 24 matches. Uh, I think that's going to make a big difference. The teams that are more consistent are going to be um, heavily favored. Um, and then those, uh, it'll be nice for the teams that don't do well either because one bad game, one bad week won't necessarily decide that the rest of the tournament. Um, but I'm going to leave it there with uh, Shook. Uh, I mean, I should say Ride Squad Esports. I'm glad that they got an organization. That's great to see. Uh, and I'm going to move on to Low Key here. Low Key Esports being another one of those teams from the contenders that moved up. Uh, the roster consisting of Chubba Bubba. Fignaldo, Pax, and new addition, Lobes. Uh, so in NPLC, they had Smithy there. Um, they decided to add Lobes once they made NPL, so that was after the relegation tournament and everything. Um, but Loki did really well in contenders. They finished in second. At one point, they were even ahead of Sonics. Um, but they finished with uh, 900 damage as a team. Um, I guess it probably is better if I put that in perspective from each player. Let's go through their stats here. Uh, Fignaldo was their leading fragger. I mentioned that a little bit when I was mentioning the Sonics. Sitting at 1.88 kill-death ratio, which is great. 270 damage, which is also really, really great. If that was 270 damage, if that was in the NPL, that would definitely be top 10. But uh, just because it would probably be the top, to be honest with you. Not even top 10. Yeah, it would be the top. But uh, just because of the small sample size and how many people that you have outperforming what they normally do and the Sonics doing what they're doing, 
Um, actually wasn't in the, the top 10 for damage, which is crazy. But uh, impressive nevertheless. Um, Chubba Bubba's next there, 1.3 kill death ratio, 200 and just under 240 damage. Um, Pax, 0.94 kill death ratio, 184 damage. Um, but take that one with a grain of salt. He's also the IGL for the team. And last phase, Smithy, just if you're curious about his stats, he finished with a 1.0 kill death ratio on the dot and uh, 216 damage. So I don't think there's really a weak link on that team, but I guess if they thought there was one, obviously it was Smithy, and they added Lobes. Lobes on Simplicity last phase in the NPL finished with a 1.03 kill death ratio and 193 damage. Um, before he was on Simplicity, he was on Cloud9. Um, and he didn't do bad with Cloud9 either. 0.93 kill death ratio, 187 damage. So I think we know what to expect from Lobes in the NPL. We've had it from the last two phases, and he's been um, pretty consistent. When I'd, I'd put him right around the, um, I mean, there's 64 teams in the, uh, uh, 64, sorry, players in the NPL. He's got to be right around the average mark just with those numbers. But um, Loki Gaming's one of those teams. They finished second in contenders that I think most people uh, think are going to outperform just because of their placement. Finishing second in contenders, you got to think that they're one of the uh, teams that people are higher on. Uh, as far as Miramar versus Erangel goes. Low-key is a Miramar team, for sure. Out of uh, all the teams, uh, I guess Sonics did the best at Erangel and at Miramar, but uh, Loki was just below them at Miramar. They're a frag-heavy team, finishing with 4.8 kills a game, just uh, over 900 damage a game. <laughs> I guess I didn't mention it for Sonics, but if you guys do want to know, Sonics finished with 1,400 damage a game. That is absolutely unheard of. Um, to put that in perspective for even NPL teams, there was no NPL teams that finish with about a thousand damage average per game. There's some PEL teams that do Navi in particular. I want to say liquid might've been up there. I think phases is more of a 900 damage team, but, uh, yeah, phase one and phase two, there was no NPL team that finished over a thousand damage. Um, low key was, uh, Fourth in damage, 900. The teams that they had ahead of them were Elevate and uh, God Squad, both teams that finished uh, uh, pretty well in the contenders but weren't able to make it after the uh, relegation tournament. Um, speaking about the relegation tournament, let's go to that quick. Because like I said, even though you make the top six, God Squad and Elevates are exempt. I mean, top tens for the NPLC. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to make the NPL. Um, God Squad and Elevator, examples of that. Great, you can have great damage and great place, um, great placement. God Squad finishing in third, Elevate finishing in sixth. But I mean, if you can't do well at these 12 games at relegation, then that's unfortunate. God Squad finished in 12th, Elevate finished in seventh, and just missed the cut. But uh, low key was consistent. They finished in fourth, just below Shook, the new Riot Squad roster. Um, Shook finished with 96 points, Loki with 94. So at least if you look at the divisions that we kind of found ourselves having in the relegation tournament, Sonics and Simplicity being tied with 114 points, call that the, the first tier. Second tier would be Shook and Loki Esports, 96 and 94 points. 
And then after that, you got Zenith and Vicious, both at 90, uh, 79 and 76 points. So some pretty clear divisions in there as far as points. Usually one game wouldn't even get you into the next division. You need a couple of great gains just to get up to that next point total. I shouldn't say divisions. These are just my own kind of tierings based on the points that they have. But uh, I know low-key is, uh, is a team that a lot of people are high on just because of their fragging potential. It'll be curious to see what they do. Um, this goes without saying for all of the contenders teams, um, their drop locations are going to be changing. Um, I'm not sure what low-key was dropping um, in contenders, um, but there's not even really any point to say. I mean, it's going to be different um, just because, hey, hey, I'm sure in contenders, um, they were one of the stronger teams. And in scrims for contenders, they probably had to beat out a couple teams to get their drop location. Whatever it might be, uh, the popular ones like Razak, like uh, Pachinki, that, that one's obvious. Uh, South Georgia Pole, um, I don't think Yazana is that popular anymore. Uh, Milta's a big one. Um, those sort of locations, people like to, they're, they're important locations just because of the rotations you can have from them. So Loki, even if they had one of those, um, I doubt they're they're going to have one. Maybe they won in scrims some of the fights over one of those, but I doubt it um, just because these locations already have teams that have been dropping there for a couple phases at least. So um, it'll be curious. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see um, every time the new phase happens. There's new locations, there's new rosters, even sometimes new rosters like like Wildcard are going to force a change. So, I mean, Primorskin and Fairy Pier open. I know Pecadoras used to drop down near Fairy Pier too um, and kind of, uh, I should say, west of farm and south of farm. So that's going to be another thing that's open. That's something you got to consider too is that the six teams that um, didn't make it that got relegated from NPL, all of their spots are going to be open too. Um, but I want to move on to the next team here. Um, next one that we got is Zenith. Zenith Esports. Did they ever have a uh, a close call making it here? Thank you. I guess everyone's thanking Kendo for his 1v4 performance and to, to get them into contenders. But uh, Zenith, let's go through their stats here. From uh, Contenders Phase 2, they had uh, Kendo as their top fragger. There's the surprise. Finishing 1.25 kill-death ratio, 244 damage. Roth, uh, sorry, 1.13 kill-death ratio, 190 damage. Patron, 1.06 kill-death ratio, only 100 damage. And then Walt Jr., one kill death ratio, 160 damage. Uh, so at least on the damage numbers, Zenith definitely falls a little bit short. Um, as far as kill death, I mean, all of their numbers are are, are great. Um, four guys over one. They did have Honey Badger play with them for about eight games. That kind of brought down their stats a little bit. He finished with a 0.5 kill death ratio, although his damage numbers were better than Patron, 140 versus 106. So. I guess take Patron's kills with a grain of salt. Maybe it's just landing those last shots after his team's done all the damage. But yeah, Zenith Zenith finished uh, contenders in ninth place. Um, so I don't think coming relegation, they were a team that many people were expecting to actually make the NPL. I mean, if you're facing off against the six worst NPL teams and the 10 best NPLC teams, and you're ninth in the contenders, people probably expect you to finish 15th. Um, but Zenith performed. They finished in fifth. Um, 
and not all of that is due to placement too. Um, they did have some low kill games, but really what did it is their second last game. They had a first place finish with 12 games. Um, other than that, they had a couple thirds, uh, a second and a fourth place, um, but nothing special on the kill counts. Um, other than that 12th, uh, that 12 kill win, they had a seven kill fourth place. They didn't have any other games above four kills. So that's, that's a little bit disheartening, but um Zenith is uh, uh, Zenith is one of those teams that I mean we didn't expect them to do that well in relegations. I don't know if many people are expecting them to do well in NPL, but um, they might be able to outperform it. Um, I I'm a numbers guy, so I think that relegate. I think it's the opposite. I think in relegations they overperformed, and that maybe the contenders was kind of their their baseline. But I I mean I could be wrong. They're they're sticking with the same roster. The four guys that I mentioned. Kendo, Roth, Patron, and Walt Jr. Um, so we'll see what happens. But um, that, that's that's really about it for Zenith. Um, don't really have much to say about them just because uh, being the ninth place contenders team, uh, I'm glad that they made the NPL. But I, I don't think a lot of people expect them to do a lot. I hope they I hope they prove me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But um, out of all the teams, um, they were the lowest ranked uh, coming into NPL for sure. Uh, next team I want to, oh, actually, I, I didn't even go over, um, it's weird because I've done it for all the teams. Um, they're all American, Roth, Kendo, Patron, Honey Badger, um, and Walt Jr. Um, I don't think they're going to be playing with Honey Badger. I'm pretty sure they're going to be playing with Walt Jr. But, um, yeah, they're, uh, I know it probably doesn't matter for, for everybody, but it's always just nice for me to, to mention, um, me being Canadian, I always like to put a little bit of emphasis so next on team the that Canadians, we're gonna do but is um, we have people from all here, sorts of different countries playing in, in the NPL, uh, PEL especially. Uh, and it's always just them. Like a little tidbit of information. Uh, vicious Gaming. Really matters. I mean, Last phase, but it's just curious. they had roster consisting of Reno. They had, yeah, they did have five guys. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Reno, Frank the Tank, Aimbot, Fozu, and Finna. So they had uh, Finna... Fozu and Reno, they played all 16 games. Frank the Tank played 12 and Aimbot only played four. So they started the contenders with Aimbot. And I guess they weren't happy with his performance. So they moved on to Frank the Tank. Um, their new roster in MPL does not have Frank the Tank. I believe it is the same three guys that I mentioned before. Reno, Fozu, Finna. Um, but they added Tetra instead. Tetra from Accelerate Gaming from last phase. So let's go over their stats a little bit. Vicious Gaming finished in fifth the last phase. Um, they were kind of all over the place as far as phase goes. Uh, as far as the phase goes, they started in eighth place, um, did a little bit better, and then the last week they dropped a little bit down to fifth. Um, they're a Miramar team too. Um, a lot better. They definitely need to pick up their games on Erangel. They were one of the worst teams on Erangel. But they finished Miramar with 71 points and Erangel with 27 points to finish in fifth place. Um, just like Shook, they're kind of in the same boat as far as damage and kills go, at least from a team perspective. Um, let's go through individual stats here. Um, last phase, Finna, 0.81 kill death ratio, 180 damage. Ozu destroyed last phase, 1.94 kill death ratio, to just under 260 damage. Uh, so top 10 for kill death, 260 damage is great, um, but uh, 
not in the top 10 just because contenders was crazy last phase. Um, Frank the Tank last phase had great kill-death ratio, 1.5, but his uh, damage was only 154. Reno, uh, 0.81 kill-death, almost 170 damage. So you got two players, Infina and Reno, that are just below the standard for kill-death and for damage, and then you got Fozu, who's way above it. As far as Tetra goes on Accelerate Gaming... A former Accelerate Gaming, he finished uh, phase two of NPL with a 0.75 kill death ratio and 185 damage. Um, so I think that's actually not bad, uh, considering how well ex- how how bad Accelerate. I shouldn't say how bad they did. They didn't do that bad. They finished in 11th, just just missed the cut. But um, considering that they were one of the um, lower teams uh, in the bottom half. Um, that's decent damage numbers for Tetra. You expect teams that are in the bottom half, just based on how their team going, teams going to have less kills, to have less damage. And he actually had more damage than three of the vicious guys. So he might actually, you know, make the team improve, do better than a lot of people think. Um, but as far as vicious goes, the the other two guys, Finna and Reno, um, I don't think they're anything to write home about. Um, as far as their numbers go, at least I'm a big numbers guy. Numbers don't lie. They, uh, people can lie and say that they're the best player in the world, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to look at the numbers and see what the numbers say. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that uh, they, they need to improve a little bit. Um, the other guys, Fosu's just got to keep doing what he's doing. Tetra being that addition from the NPL and being on a bad team, just a little bit of a below average player, maybe on a good team or and even an average team, he's an above average player. Um, I think that can really make a difference for him. Um, Finn is Canadian, Fozu, um, Reno, and Tetra are both uh, from the States. But um, yeah, that's about it on Vicious. Um, let's see how well they do. Um, let's see if there's survival numbers, nothing really special on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, the contenders teams, um, just like you guys. I mean, I know a little bit less about them. Um, I watch the contenders, but um, there's there's only 16 games that they play, and then for relegations, there's only 12. Um, to put that in perspective, P uh, NPL finished with 48 games, and that's just in their phase, not including the, the Royale or anything like that. And PL finished with 96 games, so um, three times as much as the contenders get to play. Even the contenders in Europe play way more games than the contenders in North America. And I don't think that's right. I think North American teams should be playing just as much, especially if you want to encourage the eSport in North America. I mean, how's anyone going to watch if they're only playing four games a week? I mean, put it more out there. Um, next team to move on to. Is that all the all the uh, teams coming in from relegation? Yeah, Sonics, Wildcard, Riot Squad, Loki, Zenith, and Vicious. So, um, if we were just to go over them real real quick, the six teams, Sonics is the, the class of contenders. Low-key would probably be next there in second. They were below Sonics, but there was a pretty big gap there. But I do think low-key would be above the next teams. There's a little bit of a gap between low-key and the next teams. Wildcard is, they're a wildcard. We don't know how they're going to perform. Four guys that we've seen in the MPL that have decent stats, um, that doesn't mean that they're going to transfer over to this phase. They're an entirely new team. Who knows? They might be a team like Digital Athletics, like Elder Wolves, or um, one of those teams that just snakes or that 
doesn't uh, doesn't get into fights or tries to avoid them. I highly doubt it. That's not the meta. I don't think any teams can perform well. And Digital Athletics and Elder Wolves are not well-performing teams. I can't believe I'm using an Elder Wolves reference. Wow. But they, I think they made contenders a couple times, so I worked for them through Opens. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a wild card. But um, as long as they can frag out, and they definitely have the potential with those four guys, um, they can outperform, too. Um, Riot Squad and, and then Vicious being next, um, they finished right beside each other. They were neck and neck in MPLC. I think they, have the, they both have the exact same problems. They have a couple guys that frag well, a couple guys that are, might be a little bit under average that in order for them to – um, not get relegated again are probably going to have to outperform. Um, but um, Riot Squad's got the exact same roster. Vicious has one roster addition. Maybe that'll make a difference. Maybe it'll make it worse. Um, we've seen it in PEL where roster additions um, haven't helped. And then we've seen it where roster additions like G2 and, and Razor Edge have, have helped tremendously. Reciprocity and digital athletics are on the opposite side of that. So roster changes aren't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but they, they can be um, if your team's not on the right level. Um, and I guess that goes for low-key too. They made one change. Um, it's not wholesale changes like wildcard, and one change doesn't change the makeup of the team. But um, it'll be curious to see what happens. All right, you guys. Now we're moving on to the cream of the crop. Again, you're listening to the PUBG Esports Podcast. This is our inaugural episode. I hope you're enjoying the in-depth analysis of the new NPL teams. Hopefully, we're going to keep this going after and do contenders teams, PEL teams. I mean, the the sky's the limit. Um, I'm one of those people that's passionate about PUBG, uh, and I want to do as much for it as I can just because I watch it. I pay attention for it. These are things that... Um, I went looking for podcasts that have in-depth analysis or PUBG esports, more in-depth look at it, more overviews and strategy. I mean, it just wasn't around. So, I mean, it, I figured I'd do it myself. Um, at the end of the day, I'm I'm just a viewer. Um, I'm just someone that watches a lot of games, and it doesn't matter uh, if it's NBA, if it's MLB, if it's any sort of eSport, NPL, PKL, CSGO, I treat them all the same. I'm a big statistics guy, so we're going to take a statistical analysis at all these different teams um, and figure out uh, which teams you should be high on, which players you should be high on or low on, or the different changes that teams have made and what to expect from them in the next phase. So we're going to move on to the... Uh, teams that were in the MPL last phase that managed to avoid um, having to compete in the relegation tournament and kept their spot for this phase. So I'm going to try and go from the bottom all the way um, from the 10th place team all the way down to the first place team. So first one that we're here with is Endemic. So Endemic Esports, their roster consisting of Relo, Sumthang, Wolf, and Crispier. And I believe they're going into... Um, NPL with the exact same roster as Phase 2. Um, I should, I mean, for the teams that have coaches, I should be mentioning those two. I don't think any of the, yeah, at least I don't know any of the coaches for the relegation team. The teams coming from contenders, I should say. Um, if they do, if there are coaches, make sure you guys add them on Liquipedia. I'd like to give you guys some credit. Um, but the coach for uh, Endemic is Nomi. And uh, let's go through some stats here. Endemic finished last phase in 10th place. Um, but that's not to say that um, they were in 10th place the entire time. Um, they were performing above average for most of the time. Um, week two, they were in sixth place. Week three, they were in fourth place. 
week fourth, they went down, down, down to sixth, and then they dropped in the last week way down to 10th place. But, um, I mean, if you look at the points for NPL, it was a tight phase from sixth to 10th. So they had uh, 40 matches last phase. And Player One Esports was in sixth place. They finished with 244 points. Endemic was in 10th, and they finished with 224. So that's only a 20-point difference. You can make that up in two games. Um, one game if it's, I mean, a 10-kill win, and Player One Esports not getting any points. That would put you right up to sixth place. So there's a little bit, I mean, and then when you go from first to fifth, there's definitely a gap. Like fifth to sixth, I should say. So fifth place was Space Station Gaming, 273 points, and Player One Esports in sixth place, the 244 points. So fifth to sixth had a 39 point difference, and that's only one spot, one placement, as opposed to sixth to tenth, which was only a 20 point difference. So it was definitely really tight. Um, I guess I should be going over averages because at least team averages. I went over player averages. If we're considering a about, and like I said, it's going to be a little bit lower, but about a kill-death ratio of one being average, and same thing with damage, about 200 damage per player being average. Um, it's going to be a little bit lower than that. It's going to be something like 190 being average, um, 195. But if you, you say about that being average, um, Endemic finished uh, last phase with as a team, uh, 3.4 kills per round, so a little bit under the average of one per person. Um, point, actually, a, a decent bit, 0.6 under. And then they finished with 641 damage, so 160 damage below average. Um, the endemic roster consists... I already went through that. My bad. Relo something, Wolf and Chris Beer. Wolf something, Relo and the coach Nomi are all American. Chris Beer is from the UK. Um, their individual stats here... Chris Beer, 0.78 kill-death ratio, um, 156 damage. Wolf, who's the IGL on the team, uh, so take his stats with a grain of salt, 183, uh, sorry, 0.83 kill-death, uh, 115 damage, something, 0.83 kill-death as well, um, 168 damage, and then reloads their top fragger, 1.2 kill-death, 202 damage and then another side note here he also finished the top 10 in survival time with just under 22 minutes a game uh but yeah reload's definitely the the fragger on that team they picked him up for phase two um in phase one who'd they have before Ugh. that's not that important uh mini fridge Mini fridge, yeah. So they went from a guy that had a 0.5 kill death and 100 damage to a guy that has a 1.2 kill death and 200 damage. So that's that's a big difference. That's great. Um, and as far as Crispier and Wolf and something go, they pretty much well, Crispier and Wolf pretty much have the same stats as they did in Phase One. Something in Phase One had a good Phase One, 1.33 kill death about 210 damage so he definitely regressed this phase um i think that'll be important for them if if something goes back to phase one endemic esports can definitely be a team that um overperforms um relo um being the addition from last phase he did play in phase two so he's playing in phase three as well is um a huge huge guy um he's uh he's someone that's going to be a difference maker he's their top fragger um, if he doesn't do well that could that could be relegations for endemic um if he 
uh, if all the other guys overperform or perform to his level, that can be what gets endemic over the hump <laughs> into the next, say, say top five, whatever it might be. As far as drop locations go, endemic's a South Georgia pole drop. And then on Miramar, they're a Monte Nuevo drop. Uh, so dropping worth, if you're a PEL fan, dropping worth phase drops on Miramar. And, and I don't mind either of those drops. Um, I don't think in scrims anyone's going to be contending for any of them. If any of them, they're going to be contending for non Monte Nuevo. I don't think the South Georgia pole is as appealing as it used to be. Um, I think a lot of people are liking the Southern drops just in case it's a milli circle. But because um, even if it's not, you can still go up north, not a problem. But if you're stuck in Georgia Pole, moving your way down south, you're taking a lot of blue, you're taking a boat, um, or, or you're taking the bridge and you have that risk of that bridge block. Not that it happens that often anymore. We saw a little bit with phase two just because the meta changing and there being more emphasis put on kills, uh, which is a good thing. Um, but uh, you're, you're not seeing it too much, to be honest with you. You see some teams that after the bridge, they'll take the compound after that. So some teams might get caught up in that, but most teams know that as soon as they hit the bridge, they go hard right, hard left, something like that, and you don't have any issues. Unless, uh, again, there is a bridge block, but nevertheless um yeah that, i mean that that's that's really about it for endemic endemics one of those teams that um let me pull up the stats here they uh like i said they finished in 10th last last phase but they have decent survival numbers so they're 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 a team that has higher placement than the teams above them but lower kills um so for example um let's pull it up here They have a survival time as a team of averaged about 21 minutes. A couple teams that are near them, um, but they're all below survival time. Um, Player One Esports, 20.4 minutes. Accelerate Gaming, which just finished below them, 20.3 minutes. United, 19.3 minutes. Lazarus, 20.3 minutes. Envy, 20 minutes. So they got a full minute. They're one of the better teams, at least as far as survival numbers go all their players um the only one that has under 21 minutes for survival time is crispier and like i said before reload is actually top 10 and a lot of that is usually attributed to team success if, you, if you're getting a lot of wins your your, your survival time is just increasing but uh, i guess that's a testament to endemic's um ability to keep guys up and to uh at least into the late phase um they're not kill heavy uh, so that might come back to haunt them just with the meta um but they are a team that definitely has some um, better placement, better survival numbers. I should say survival numbers, not placement numbers. So they've been surviving, but maybe the placements haven't been there. And that's and that's just unlucky. If you're surviving long and sometimes there's just more teams in a circle than there usually is, or maybe it's a city ending and you got, I mean, and coming into the last phase, seven or eight teams that are still in it. Um, it happens sometimes. But uh, moving on to the next team here. After Endemic, we got, well, that's phase one. Phase two, Envy. So Team Envy, um, consisting of Pat Caps, Moody, Interrogate, and new player Pride. Um, so they had Venerated on the roster from last phase, who uh, decided to move on to Fortnite. Um, Venerated's a great dude, great player. Wish him the best. Um, but it's going to be exciting to see um, the difference that Pride makes on this roster. So Pride came from wildcard last phase. Let's go over Envy as a team here first. So Envy as a drop location, they like to drop um, south and west of uh, 
Milta. It's kind of, I guess, the best way of. Oh, that's Ghost. Since they definitely don't drop Milta. Um, the best way of putting it is they drop in, in relation to farm, southeast of farm. Yeah, so I guess it is southwest, south and west of Milta, but it's the compounds that are southeast of farm just before the bridge. And then on Miramar, they drop Los Leonas, and at least in phase two, they had that split with another team. So as a team, they average 850 damage. So they're only one spot above endemic, but they averaged a full 200 more damage than them. They averaged 3.8 kills. So they have above average damage, but below average kills. Um, and they uh, they do just as well on Erangel as they do on Miramar, pretty much getting the exact same points. Um, finishing phase two with 235 points. So uh, pride from last phase, let's go over individual statistics. Um, so I know in, I want to say in phase one, I could be wrong, um, because I thought it was for phase two too, but I, in phase one, I believe pride was the IGL for wildcard phase two is to my, um, but it could have been to my for phase one too. If I'm wrong on that, please let me know. Um, but in phase two pride finished with a 0.8 kill death ratio, 1.48, uh, one, wow, 148 damage. Um, and then in phase one, it was definitely a regression from phase one in wildcard. Um, in phase one, he, there we go, finished with 1.38 kill death ratio and just about 230 damage. So his kill death went down by almost 0.5 and his damage almost went down by 100. Um, so regardless of what that's from, it's going to be interesting to see which pride we get. If we get pride from phase one, or if we get pride from phase two, I know he's not IGLing um, for Envy. That's going to be, um, I believe, uh, interrogate doing that. Um, so he's not going to have the responsibility of that. Although if he was IGLing phase one, he had a great phase one. So um, prides from Canada, interrogates from Canada. And so is Moody, and then Pat Caps is from the States. So next one, let's, uh, let's talk about Moody. So Moody finished with uh, last phase 1.15 kill death and 260 damage. So he's he's their top fragger. Um, he's their flank position. Um, his survival numbers are pretty brutal. Um, he's that guy that get he, go big or go home. Um, he'll get out early. Um, but he's also going to be that guy that gets a flank on the team and gets you two kills and, and really starts the squad wipe on that team or, or just gets the first knock, whatever it might be. Um, doesn't have the worst survival numbers out of the entire team, but they're not good by any means. Uh, Envy in general just doesn't have good survival numbers. They had great damage. They're a kill-heavy team, and I think they're performing to the meta, um, and their damage numbers are consistent with teams that finished in the top five. So I think because of that, a lot of people are expecting them to do a lot better than they did last phase. I mean, if you even just go from phase one to phase two, um, Envy finished phase one and third. They finished phase two and ninth. Um, but, I mean, they started phase two off well. They started phase two and fifth. And then they just regressed and, and stayed around that ninth, tenth position for pretty much the entire phase. Um, but they're they're still a damage heavy team. All the other teams, like I said, there was a a decent. Uh, if you were to tier them a little bit, one to five is a tier, five to ten is a tier, just because of how close the placements are from six to tenth. So um, they out of all those teams from six to ten, they have the highest damage out of all of them. I I mean, 
they're they're probably a top five team as far as kills as far as performance goes but they just weren't getting the placements they had the worst placement out of any of those teams from sixth to tenth um so i don't know if that's an any igl issue um i don't know if that's a drop location or getting caught in rotation issue something like that um maybe mayor maybe sandhawks their their map um it's gonna be a kill heavy map um I know a lot of people don't like the foliage on it and the, the amount of snaking that will be happening happening on it, but at least from PEL games, it didn't seem like it was it was too bad. At least um, it's an entirely different way to play it, though. Like I said, um, interrogate the IGL um, 0.98 kill death ratio, um, just about 200 damage. So really, right right about average. Um, and then we got Pat Caps, the Bolt player, um, 0.93 kill death ratio, 160 damage. You're going to get that with the Bolt players, where um, kill death should be right around average. Um, uh, damage uh, was going to be a little bit low, um, just because they, they don't have the rate of fire of those guys that are rocking the DMR. Um, you, you, and lots of times you'll see it too, where the kill death will be low too, just because it's tough for these Bolt players to confirm kills. Um, it's a lot easier with a DMR, a lot easier. Um, that's not disrespect to bolt players, but I think the meta is definitely DMR right now. Um, and I, I mean, I, we should talk about that a little bit just because there are going to be some changes going into phase three with the meta. I know a lot of people are, saw the SMG buffs and the AR nerfs, but, um, I don't think that's gonna discourage ARs as much as people think. Not everyone's going to be rocking Vector, Micro Uzi, um, UMP, anything like that. Um, I've seen in scrims, I mean, Vector, Micro Uzi a couple times, but uh, almost never UMP. Um, I think, if anything, it might encourage some people to go to some 7.62 guns, uh, more AK. I, I see a lot more barrel usage. Um, but if people are finding M4s, they're still using M4s. It might deter the scar a little bit. Um, the problem with SMGs is just it's it's distance. The time to kill is great. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you, you're, if you're throwing a 3X or a 4X on that vector, you're having a lot of bullet drop off. You're not going to be able to hit as consistent shots as you're used to with that M4, even with that barrel or AK. Um Next player here, let's move on to Pat Caps. Oh, we did Pat Caps. Pat Caps, Terrigate, Venerated. And then at least from Phase 2 to, to Phase 1, I, I think they're pretty comparable as far as numbers go. And and uh, Envy finished in 3rd in Phase 1 and 9th uh, in Phase 2. Yeah, and as far as numbers go, they're pretty pretty comparable. Pat Caps had a little bit better kill-death ratio, but his damage was the same. Same thing for interrogate venerated definitely had a better performance but moody had a worse performance in phase one um, a lot of that's sample size too because moody only played 16 games with envy last phase as opposed to 40 games so i, I think that envy is one of those teams that a lot of people expect to do better um we'll see how sandlock works for them i wonder if they got one of those really really good drop locations um uh, spoiler alert the only one that i know is boot camp uh but uh genesis has boot camps so um, but that's that's not a surprise. I mean, they have Picado and Pachinki. They're they're just like liquid in that sense. Um, so I'll be curious to see who got Pinon. Um, I th I think Pinon's a better position than that. Um, I, I hope they tried to fight over it or or got a good position like that. But we'll see. Um, as far as Arangel goes, though, I mean, they uh, I do like their drop location for Arangel. They're right by Milta. Um, so anytime they get a um, Millie circle that's never an issue as far as rotations go 
And then uh, on Miramar, Las Leonas is kind of far south, southeast, and in NPO, we've been seeing a lot of southwest circles, so it's not the worst. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't mind either of them. All right, so we're here talking about E-United now. Again, this is the PUBG Esports Podcast. We're going on a team-by-team overview basis. Um, I was going to do five minutes for each team, but... Um, I have a propensity to talk a lot more. I hope you guys don't mind. I like to provide as much information as possible. Um, but let's get into it. United. Um, they finished last phase in eighth place, just below, uh, I mean, just ahead Envy. They finished ahead of Envy by two points and below Lazarus by one points. So Lazarus, United, Envy, and you can even, actually just those three, Lazarus, United, and Envy all interchangeable. Those three spots, they're all within three points. But um, uh, United did a little bit better on uh, Erangel than they did on Miramar. Um, they finished the phase with 700 damage average as a team and a 3.7 kill death ratio. So under average for damage, under average for kills. Um, their players, their roster, so it consists of uh, Stab. Taylor J, both those guys are from Phase uh, 2. And then they added two new guys. They added uh, Sheru from Vicious Gaming in Phase 2. And they added Bale Frost, who was an under-18 player that turned 18 um, that I know a lot of people were excited about. Um, they, As far as where they like to drop on Erangel, they're at a kind of a prison-shelter split, or at least they have been in Phase 2. And then on Miramar... They do uh, West Los Leones, or and and sometimes the, not sometimes, and they do the compounds that are west of Los Leones. So they do West Los Leones and the compounds west of it as well. Um, so they're one of those teams that um, I believe the other one is Player One Esports and Envy that split Los Leones, um, but they do have an emphasis mostly on the compounds that are out of Los Leones. Um, as far as statistics go for their players, um, oh, let's go over nationalities here real quick. Um, Stabs from Denmark, uh, Taylor J is American, same with Bale Frost, and Sheru is Canadian. Um, but phase two, they had a couple different guys on their roster. Instead of Sheru and Bale Frost, they had Geis and Pistola Time, Pistola Time, who's now on wildcard. Um, but as their stats last phase, they had Taylor J being their lead fragger, um, 1.8 kill death. Um, but only 180 damage, which is uh, strange to see that uh, he's got that many kills. And not many of his kills were stolen either. He only stole one kill. So he's just getting the, the last shot on him, I guess. Uh, Stab finishing with uh, 1.05 kill death ratio, um, 207 damage. And Stab's the IGL too. So those are, those are uh, decent IGL numbers. I've always been of the mind that, um, and I know there are exceptions, Los HD being the big one, but... Um, if, if you're over a 1.0 kill death ratio, 200 damage as an IGL, you're great. Um, there's lots of IGLs that are the top fraggers, and lots of people are of the mind that your IGL should be the top fragger. They're the one making the calls. Lots of times because of that, they're on the front lines or seeing things first, or they're the, they're the scouter, um, the person that's ahead of everyone else because of that. Um, um, Senya from Navi is a really, really good example of that. The dude absolutely destroys, and he's the IGL. I think he's the strongest player on that team. Not that anyone on that team isn't strong. But um, 
yeah, stat being an IGL and having good numbers is definitely great to see. Um, Pistola time finished last phase, um, and we went over this a little bit, um, 0.95 kill-death ratio, just under 200 damage. And Geis um, finished with 0.68 kill-death and 120 damage, so definitely the lowest of the bunch. Um, the players they added, we don't have stats on Balefrost just because he was an under-18 player beforehand, but Sheru coming from Vicious Gaming, we definitely do. Let me just pull him up here. Number two, where is it? There we go, Vicious. So in phase one, Sharu finishes with kill-death ratio of 1.38 and uh, 240 damage. So in phase one, I, I screwed that up, that's my fault. In phase one, he came from Vicious Gaming and then he moved from Vicious Gaming onto Smoke and Aces. Um, and then for Smoking Aces, he, uh, oh my God, why can't I find it here? Smoking Aces. Ah, there we go. Smoking Aces, great numbers as well. Um, 243 damage, which was top 10 for the league. And then 0.93 kill death ratio. So the damage from phase one to phase two was consistent for Sheru. Um, the kills fell off a little bit, and I'm attributing that to, well, I guess I can't really attribute it to team success that much because Vicious in phase one um, was, they, they got relegated. They weren't that good, and so did Smoking Aces in phase two. So hopefully that's not the Sheru effect or anything like that, back to back relegations. But. Um, it's going to be nice to see him on a team like E-United because he's consistently shown that even though he's on a bad team, he can frag. Um, he's got the damage numbers. He's someone that um, I thought should have gotten more consideration for Team Canada just because of his numbers, because of his performance. Um, but he's he's a bona fide fragger, and he's proved it both phases. So it'll be curious. It'll be nice to see what um, an IGL like Stab can do with three fraggers like Taylor J, Sharu, and Bale Frost. Bale Frost is a little bit of a question to me, but as far as everyone I know that's um, in the leagues um, is in the community, um, a lot of people are high on them. Um, as far as my uh, NPL fantasy draft goes, too, they're high on them there, too. So it'll be nice to see. Um, there's a couple new players coming to uh, NPL being underage beforehand or coming from different leagues. Um, it'll be curious, and it'll be nice to see how they do. Um, I'm I'm liking E-United because they got, they, they got rid of the low-hanging fruit. Um, not to say that Geis was a bad player. I know, I know a lot of people liked him as support. But the, um, the numbers, at least just going from Geist to Sheru, is 120 damage difference. Um, and kills, you're getting an extra 0.5 kills there per game. So an extra two kills a day if you only, well, I guess they're playing five games a day. So an extra 2.5 kills a day, um, which is great to see. So I know a lot of people expect, uh, I don't, I don't want to say expect, but they almost um, anticipate that United's going to perform better than they did last phase. Um, they started off phase two real hot um in first place and then they kind of regressed a little bit and for the last three weeks finished uh stayed in ninth place finishing in eighth but uh yeah their damage numbers and their kill numbers are a little bit low they're they're more of an erangel team than uh they are um a miramar team but uh yeah they definitely have the fragging capability and power now um because their placement wasn't that good last phase um they averaged a placement of eight 
0.4, which means they averaged about an eighth place placement. Um, so for every time they got a first, they got a 16th, I guess. But um, yeah, um, they're, they're one of those teams that with the additions that they make, it'll be curious. They're, they're a team that made two additions. So, uh, I mean, I brought up the PEL example before. Are they going to be a team that the two additions mesh really, really well? Or they um, they have a little bit of trouble and a little bit of uh, they aren't hot out of the gate. Um, but they were hot out of the gate in, in phase two. So uh, um, United's a team that I think is going to do all right. Um I think a lot of teams made a lot of good changes, and that's not to say that United didn't. Um, but um, yeah, it'll be it'll be curious to see if they can if it's a if it's a big enough difference to to make the top five. Just because I'm pretty sure United has some um, global championship points. Um, so if they finish, I, but I don't think it's much. Uh, let me just pull it up here quick. Yeah, they have 15 championships points. So even if they finish second, um, second's not that many championship points, but it can still qualify you for PGC. Uh, but to me, it's got to be a top three finish. To it, it prob realistically, probably a top two finish for them to actually qualify for PGC, just because they only have 15 points. Uh, even wild cards ahead of them, and they got relegated last phase. But that's just because phase one they they had a decent performance. Um, but let's move on to the next team. Next team that we got here is Lazarus, Lazarus Esports. So Lazarus as a team is consisting of Uncivil, Alo, Purdy Curdy, and Luke 12. So um, let's go over a couple statistics here. Lazarus finished last phase in seventh place, um, but they started off hot as well, started off in second place. And then they were right around the eighth place uh, mark for pretty much the entire phase. And finished the last phase in seventh. But like I said, I mean, seventh to ninth, Lazarus, United, Envy, all within three points of each other. So they're all real, real tight. They do just as well on Erangel as they do on Miramar. Uh, their damage numbers are um, pretty comparable to United, actually. 707 damage, exactly the same as United. Um, averaging 3.7 kills as a team. Um, they just had better placement than United. Uh, which is why they finished a, a point ahead of them. Um, Uncivil, Purdy Curdy, Alo are all from the States. And then Luke 12 is uh, their new addition, um, and he's Australian. I want to pull up his stats just because I didn't have the Oceanic stats pulled up from last phase. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I just mentioned, he's he's a new addition. He's from the Oceanic region. He was playing for Atletico beforehand, um, and Atletico was really making some noise. Um, they they were kind of like it's comparable to what the Sonics did in Contenders is what Atletico did for um, Oceanic. Um, they absolutely destroyed. You you had the top of the class of uh, Oceanic being Atletico, um, Incognito, um, Hell Yeah Brother, and, and Justice Esports. Um, but I mean I don't even know why I mentioned all four of them. It was it was definitely Atletico um, miles above the rest of them. Um, as far as player statistics, well, while I'm looking up uh, trying to find Luke 12 statistics, I'll go over um, all the Lazarus guys from last phase. So um, replacing um, Luke 12 is replacing Adam from last phase. He was on there, but now he's on the new wildcard roster. Um, IGLing the new wildcard roster. Uh, Uncivil finished last phase 1.33 kill death, which was top 10 in the league. 208 damage. Alo, one kill death, 
209 damage. And Purdy Curdy, who was their IGL uh, last phase, 0.83 kill death, 140 damage. Um, here, this will be curious too. Um, Luke 12 was the IGL for Atletico. So I don't know if he's going to continue IGLing. I, I hope he does. Um, that's not a knock against Purdy Curdy. But I mean, I got Luke 12's numbers in front here. Um, but um, I mean, even him as a fragger, I'm sure he'd absolutely destroy. So at the uh, GLL Grand Slam, was it? Was it? I always mix up the two: the face at Summit and the Grand Slam. Was it the Grand Slam that was most recent? Let's pull it up here real quick. GLL. Yeah, it was GGLL that was the most recent. Yeah, and Atletico finished second there. The only team they finished behind was FaZe, uh, who won the event. So Atletico um, pretty much put the Oceanic region on the mark because Incognito and Hell Yeah Brother did not help their cause, and neither did they. Uh, neither did Incognito in Phase One uh, at the Face It Summit either. So Atletico, this is this is how miles above their their competition they were. Um, Luke 12 finished first in kills, first in damage, second in survival. And that's only because his other teammate, Flood, finished first in survival. So as far as survival numbers go, Atletico had all the top four. As far as damage numbers go, Atletico had all the top four. And as far as kills go, Atletico had the top three. Um, just in case you guys are curious, the um, other two members of Atletico are Extreme. Um, some people know him as Extreme 2G. Used to be on the wildcard roster for Phase 1 and Zoid mate. But uh, Luke 12's numbers. He finished phase one, and Oceanic, they played a decent amount of games, just like NPL, they played 40. He finished phase one with a 2.7 kill-death ratio. That's 108 kills in 40 games. He finished with 448 damage, which is twice what we consider average. And then survival time, 25 minutes a game, of course, that's absolutely bonkers. Um, they were miles above Incognito and Hell Yeah Brother, which were second and third place, respectively. Um, it's going to be curious to see how much that transfers over. I know regions and how uh, how well regions perform um, is going to be taken into account for this, uh, just because Oceanics considered one of the re weaker regions when Hell Yeah Brother and Incognito were playing in the Face at Summit, as I mentioned. They... They, they did not perform well. Um, they finished, I think, last and third last. Um, but Atletico did. Um, so that's a really good team in a really bad region. Um, so is his stats going to... I expect his stats to regress a little bit. I don't expect him, or it goes without saying, anyone from the Sonics to an average over a 2.0 kill death ratio. I mean, Los HD was the best last phase and he finished with a 1.78 and that's pretty high. Um, I don't think phase one, we're even close to that either. Phase one, the top fragger finished with um, 1.75. Yeah, Hetroar, 1.75, K-Mind, 1.73. Um, yeah, and I mean, 2.0 is, is crazy, especially over 40 games. Um, I mean, Sonics did it over 16. I can see that. You can have a really good tournament. I mean, that's pretty much what Contenders was last phase is just one tournament. There are some tournaments that have more games than that. But um, 
Yeah, it'll be, it'll be nice to see Luke 12, how much of an impact that he makes. Because Lazarus, um, from phase one to phase two, definitely regressed. Um, phase one, um, they finished in second? Am I crazy? Yeah, fourth. They finished in fourth. Um, but they were shoot to kill. And then, this is the nicest part, and I know why a lot of people were high on Lazarus um, coming into phase two, is shoot to kill. Um, again, they're the same team. They just picked up, Lazarus picked them up, um, after, uh, the face at uh, global summit. So then they were Lazarus in phase two, but at the face at global summit, this is the international event where the best of the MPL, the best of the PEL, I should explain that. Yeah. Um, cause it was the same with the GLL global, global, uh, GLL grand slam that I mentioned before. That's the best of the best. You have the Korean teams, you have the Chinese teams, the NPL, the PEL, you have all these teams come together and they play, um, shoot to kill qualified for the face at summit. Um, cause they were within the top five or was it top four then? Ah, uh, they were top four and, uh, they finished out of all the best teams in the world, second place, only second to, I believe it was liquid. Um, let me pull it up here just so I'm not spewing anything bad. But uh, they finished in second, and uh, because of that, they got NPL an extra spot for the GLL Grand Slam. That was the perk of doing well. Not only do you get prize money, obviously, the better you do, the more money that you get. But um, the teams that finished, I believe, is within the top uh, three. Um, got an extra spot for their region. Mm, and I was wrong. Okay, Shoot to Kill got second, but um, the number one team was OP Gaming Rangers, a Korean team, um, which they've absolutely just been destroying at every international event. Um, Korean teams, not OP Gaming Rangers. In fact, maybe I'll mention it later in a PKL one, but OP Gaming Rangers has since went pretty downhill. Um, Team Liquid finished third in that event. But uh, yeah, they had an absolutely great face at Summit, just kind of like Atletico did at uh, GLL Grand Slam um, to put to put their name on the map. Um, I want to say that's a really big reason why they ended up getting an organization after. kind of sucks that they had to go to an event like that without an organization. But I mean, they did well. They got the prize money as far as I see it. That's, that's an organization's loss. It's great that they get to keep it all. So that's nice. But um, yeah, that's a really big addition from phase two to phase one, Luke 12 replacing Adam. So I think that's going to be a lot of people are expecting Lazarus to be the Lazarus of uh, the shoot to kill, I should say, of phase one because of that. Um, just because of the um, addition of Luke 12. Um, they haven't made any other changes other than that. But as far as drop locations go, um, Lazarus on Miramar is one of those teams that loots Hacienda and the compounds east of San Martin. So if Sonics is uh, uh, landing in the same place that they were in Contenders, that'll be a little bit of a contested drop for them. I doubt that they will. Um, Lazarus has been dropping there for uh, at least two phases now. And then on Erangel, they like to drop Yasnaya. They switched that from phase one to phase two. It used to be Severny, um, and now it's Yasnaya. It's probably going to be the same coming in phase three. Um, and then uh, Sandhawk, we just don't know yet. I'll be curious to see that. That's that's going to be tomorrow, um, at least from when this podcast was made. Uh, but that's Lazarus. Um, like I said, I expect most people to... Most people expect them to do better than they did in phase two. Um, whether or not that is actually going to happen. We'll see. Um, I think a big reason why they didn't do as well is we had a couple teams in phase two that outperformed. Um, I shouldn't say outperformed, but I'm sure those teams don't think that they outperformed. But um, 
they did better than a lot of people thought they would. Um, those two teams being Player One Esports and Rumblers, um, both teams that were new teams um, coming from contenders. Um, you don't typically expect contenders teams to make top six. Um, you're, you're, I mean, you're happy if you're a contenders team if you're just not in the relegation spot again. Um, if, if you're in that five to ten range, I should say six to ten range, you're a good contenders team. That means you're right in the mix with the NPL teams. Um, but uh, yeah, Rumblers finishing fourth, Player One Esports finishing sixth, um, definitely overperformed. Um, and uh, Lazarus, United, um, Envy, mostly Envy for sure because of their damage numbers. Um, but um, those three teams definitely got the, the worst end of it just because of uh, not being able to perform to the standard of those two new contenders teams. So actually what we're going to start doing here, guys, is we're going to cut it off right there. Uh, we're going to make this into a part one, part two, and that's only just because of the limited capabilities of the computer that I'm doing the podcast on. Um, but if you guys like the podcast, please let me know. If you don't like it, please let me know. I appreciate all your guys' feedback. Um, this is something that I'm just doing. I've mentioned it a couple times because um, I enjoy the eSport. I want to know more about it. And, and like I said, this is stuff that I went looking for myself, and it just wasn't available out there. So if you guys appreciate it, I definitely appreciate you guys letting me know. Um, part two is going to be a little bit shorter. Um, part one was about six different recordings. Part two, I believe, is only about four, so it should be a little bit shorter. Um, but without further ado, we're going to end it right there. Thank you for tuning in with the inaugural episode. This has been Inside PUBG Sports. Appreciate it, guys.